like the show? Want to listen to episodes early? Consider becoming a patron. Starting at the $3 a month level, patrons get access to a custom patron-only feed where we put out episodes of Upstairs Studio podcasts like the Child Care Bar and Grill, Miss Becky's Classroom, That Early Childhood Nerd, the Renegade Rules podcast, and others early. That feed is just for patrons. You could be one of them. Go to patreon.com slash playvolutionhq or click the link in the show description to learn more. Hey everyone, it's Heather. I know you're here to listen to the podcast, but did you know I also offer all kinds of online consulting services? Stuff like webinars, book studies, curriculum training and consultation, and even companion activities for podcast episodes to use for staff development. If you're interested, you can check out my website at www.thatearlychildhoodnerd.com or you can email me at heather at thatearlychildhoodnerd.com. Thanks for listening. Grab your highlighters. Can't find them? They're probably right there in your pocket protector. It's time for that Early Childhood Nerd Podcast. Let's get nerdy. Here's Heather. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of That Early Childhood Nerd. I'm Heather Burnt-Santi, and here is Dan Hodgins. Good being with you again, Heather. Yeah, it's been a long time since we talked. Yeah. Um, So I sent out a uh, sort of general invitation to the regular co-host people and asked them if they had time to record with me, and then asked them to tell me the topic they wanted to record about. (laughs) So really, there's very little effort of my part on this episode. But um, one of the things that was suggested that you suggested, Dan, was that we talk about um, children being seen as egocentric, and what that really means, and what it doesn't mean. Um, And I thought that would be uh, a great thing, because it's something I rant about a lot. (laughs) Uh, Good. So rather than a quote, we've just, I've just got um, a definition of egocentric, which um, there's two, there's two things here that I'll start with. One is concerned with the individual rather than society. And the other is taking the ego as the starting point in philosophy or a limit limited in outlook or concern to one's own activities or needs. And I feel like that's probably the one that we'll, that we'll go with. Sure. Uh, that yeah. limited in outlook or concern or one's own. So, so let me ask first, as we get started, um, why was this topic interesting to you? Why did you suggest it? Well, because I just finished uh, uh, doing a presentation and several of the questions related to how to get children uh, to share, mm-hmm. uh, which then led me into helping them try to understand um, that one being a share isn't necessarily better than being a non-share, which led into other major right. discussions. Right. As you know, everybody thinks that the nicest child is the child who gives up <laughs> rather than takes. <laughs> yeah. Which is why I brought the subject up. Yeah. And so one of the things that, that I talk with people about um, – pretty often is this idea that if we're, if we're doing, if we're trying to be developmentally appropriate, then that means we understand 
the, the typical characteristics of the age that we're working with. So for example, if I'm working with toddlers, one of the things you'll always hear in a toddler workshop or a book or a college course is that toddlers are egocentric and they're really focused on their own inner workings and their own um, kind of ideas and outlooks. And so then people say, okay, so to be, be developmentally appropriate, that means I understand that they're egocentric and I teach them not to be. Right. <laughs> Instead of understanding how we sort of need to support that and understand that that's necessary before they can really take others' perspectives or willingly give something up. Right. And I think, you know, that the statement, we share our toys in school, yeah. which I still hear everywhere, is still in contradiction to what you call developmentally appropriate, which is the egocentric um, child, because it really should be you decide if you want to share. I mean, that should be the statement mm -hmm. to a child rather than we share our toys at school because um, like you indicated, they really need to be able to process it themselves and, and frequently that process uh, is developed based on what a child's needs are, uh -huh. not what someone else's needs are. I love the fact that David Alcon carried it on to adolescents now, um, yeah. talking about how adolescents also are egocentric in their Thought. I when people ask me at what age, because PHA said about seven, I've said 37. <laughs> makes it easier. It makes it easier. <laughs> well, so that's one thing that I read a long time ago that that had a big impact on me. Um and started again with some toddler um toddler things I was studying, but the idea of autonomy being um person creating and mm. figuring out who you are. And um, you have to really do that work before you can figure out where you fit with other people. And what I was reading pointed out that this happens throughout your life. It's not just when you're a toddler and you start to say, no, I'll do it. It's when you are then a teenager or um, even, you know, a teenager who suddenly has the mobility of a driver's license in a car, yes. or you're in a new relationship or out of a relationship. Anytime you have to reevaluate, evaluate who you are. Your, what your identity is, I think you go through that autonomy. And part of that is being egocentric. And it's not the same as selfish. Yes. And I think the word selfish com commonly is associated with the child who doesn't share, mm -hmm. when in reality, it has nothing to do uh, with that. It has to do with the child's perspective of you must want me to have this <laughs> <laughs> and that's why they take things frequently because they assume if the toy or product or the loose part is available it must be for me it must be for me and again I think that occurs frequently at all ages mm -hmm. um, you have to go through that process of um, well that's interesting I like that I should have it <laughs> <laughs> and bring out my credit card, <laughs> you know, which yes. is part of that whole ecocentric thought uh, process of, do I really need it? Mm -hmm. um, or do I want it because I want it? Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> yeah. It's a very still very ecocentric thought process. Yeah. So to, to focus on the sharing and the taking turns, um, because that does with me too come up a lot. And um, when I suggest that 
maybe it's okay if they don't give up the toy as soon as someone shows an interest in it. Um, that's hard for people because it's very much against the way we all have experienced our own lives and, and seen parenting happen and, and the cultural um, expectations of parenthood and, and that kind of thing. But um, most often, if you think about it, when you say to a child, you need to share that child loses something. It's yeah. taken away from him and given to someone else. And it doesn't make any sense to that child why that just happened. So they start to just associate the word with losing yes. and, and not having any more. And um, I think a lot of times I see kids then cling harder and become less likely to, um, to take turns or to give someone else something. Um, right. Claire Cherry said that children have to be able to possess before they're willing to give it up. Yeah. And, and it's like that ownership, um, knowing that I have it. And it's like, you know, if you have an easel available and children are painting um, and there's only two people that can use an easel at a time, that's going to create um, some conflict. But as the easel begins to stay out, mm -hmm. uh, it, it becomes less of an attraction mm -hmm. and more But this is just what I can do and it belongs to me. And once they feel that sense of ownership, then I think some of the conflicts uh, begin to diminish. But like you indicated, when we force a child to quote share, they have to lose it and they're gonna want to possess it even more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so it backfires yeah. in, in what people expect. To yeah, and, and most often when we say share, even we are using the word, like we really mean turn taking. Like Absolutely. Um, so, so we need to start with that sort of awareness of our own um, confusing language with children. And if we really want them to develop some turn-taking, then that's a totally different process. Yeah. And so when a child takes something from another child, which is typical sure. in toddlers and preschoolers, I think rather than saying, um, you know, we share our toys in school and wait, wait your turn, I usually indicate... Um, the fact that did they ask first? Yeah. <laughs> and then if the child says, no, I'm still playing with it, then I usually indicate, what are you going to do while you wait mm -hmm. for that process? Yeah. Because that's really the indication, because you're right, taking turns is really the challenge, especially when there's only one or two of the items available. Yeah. 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 So usually my answer to people who ask, how do you get kids to share is um, to first watch what's really happening. Cause also the thing that people don't like to hear me say is, well, if they take it out of the first child's hands and the first child doesn't care, then you don't need to do anything. <laughs> you can kind of just let that go if they're young, like I'm talking about toddlers, cause they maybe don't protest, but, but most often what I say is, um, I just point out, well, that's in her hands right now. I'll help you wait or come play with me while you wait. And and that's really about as far that's as, as far I go. As go because it claims ownership again. Mm -hmm. uh, both partners. I mm -hmm. have a right to make a choice. Yeah. Uh, and he has a right or she has a right to continue playing with it forever. If yeah. you want. And I think that's the challenge that often early childhood professionals will comment about, well, how long can they keep it? Yeah. You know, I'm thinking, well, if you sat in a toilet and need to use it, do you limit the time? 
that someone has to, you know, there's no time factor yeah. here in the process. So I think part of it is recognizing, getting over it and mm-hmm. recognizing that, um, you know, this is part of the natural development and evolution. Mm-hmm. Now there is talk that children are becoming less ecocentric um, and there's been a big debate about this among professionals. Um, and my opinion is I've not observed that yet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe it's just the children I'm around. I don't think so. Yeah. But I think that sometimes children become less egocentric when the impression is that you are a better child mm. if you give oh, when they're people pleasing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, so, so I wonder if that, um, because I haven't, I haven't seen that myself. Uh, the, you know, any kind of research or conversation that that they're becoming less egocentric. But um, what I wonder is, hold on, I'm trying to plug in my my Ethernet at the same time as I talk. <laughs> what I wonder is if when we're talking about egocentrism, you know, like any good good study, you've got to define your terms, and if they're still thinking of that as being sort of selfish and self-centered in a really negative way. Um, and then we know so much more now about young children's capacity for empathy. And so we think, oh, they're not as egocentric as we thought, because now we know that they can be more empathetic when it's not the same conversation. Yes. And I think Here's my challenge. Here's my biggest <laughs> challenge right now is the fact that we're trying to get young children to understand other people's needs. So, for example, we buy books about refugee children, um, expecting that young children are going to understand the concept of what a refugee child goes through. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, or that we're going to make the earth better. So let's start gardening early uh, to create a more environmental. That's that to me, that's asking a child to move out of ecocentrism and move into the world as a whole and how we always take care of it. So that's been part of my challenge mm. lately yeah. is that are we asking children to take responsibilities for something they're not really capable of understanding, nor are they responsible. Mm-hmm. And then in terms of that whole ecocentric thought process. Yeah. Um, so I worry that sometimes we're asking children to move out of a stage of development before they have evolved into it. Sure. Themselves. Well, we do that in just about every other state of <laughs> development. Why not this? I mean, I, I think there's nothing wrong with gardening with children oh, no, um no. and and you can say things like this yeah you know. yeah yeah um and it certainly does increase their own awareness and connection to the earth or can but yeah just saying this is going to save the earth and expecting that to to really impact and and be comprehended by a child who's still in that state of focusing internally is is a big expectation Well, and again, if the child initiates Mm -hmm. the process, then it continues with the ecocentric thought. But when the adult initiates um, the process, then again, I think we're we're looking at, and I'm always asking in the question, who initiated this? (laughs) Because I've never heard a child ask to do this. Uh, So that's part of the, again, the concern of, do we want children to be less egocentric? 
um, because of our own needs, uh-huh. um, our own process. And um, I, th- I think that needs to be looked at here. Sure. Yeah, that's a that's an interesting uh, interesting perspective to the to it, um, and I yeah I need to um, I I now that you said you know there's more talk coming out about children being less egocentric than they used to be my mind's sort of stuck there like I want to go yeah. find the people who say that and read their <laughs> their rationale and, and well they haven't observed children I don't think <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> yeah um, so I, yeah. I, when my wife used to pick me up at preschool, the children <laughs> always said, your mom's here. And I think that's a perfect example of yeah. how children associate everything according to where they are developmentally. Right. And, and, and what they that. know to be true for themselves, and then Absolutely. they transfer that over to you. Absolutely. Yeah. So it's not only the sharing part or the, it, it's the whole idea of how children view the world based on their particular needs or interests yeah. at that point. And it changes as they grow. Yeah. But it doesn't eliminate it. It just changes. It changes or their, their skill with navigating it. Because I keep thinking, changes. I know adults who still view the world according to their own needs. Oh, <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> some, some of us never quite them. get out of it <laughs> yeah and i'm yeah. thinking why the relationship doesn't last <laughs> uh, one of one of the other ways that i have been thinking and talking about this idea is that so we know that physically children develop kind of from the inside of their bodies out and, and that physical development happens outwardly. First, they're gaining control of just their internal functions and, and yes. their core. And then, you know, they start to move their arms and legs and then that gets to be more precise. And then the grabbing and the, the grasping becomes more precise. And so we know that about physical development. And I think that that is also a way that we can think about um, emotional and social development. Like it starts internally, they really have to work on um, really deeply understanding who they are, um, what they are, what they can do, um, what other, you know, what other people think about them and how other people make them feel. And that's all important work that has to be done before we can expect the level of perspective taking and self-control that we expect often of two, three and four year olds. Yeah. And I think that's how empathy develops. Mm Mm-hmm. Is the fact that it starts from the inside. How do I feel when someone hits me? Or how do I feel when somebody takes something from me? Or I want that and they won't give it to me. I mean, that's all inner stuff before they can move to the, oh, they want this too. Or they have the same interest as me. It's it's like, you know, trying to play a game with children and they all want to win. You know, when they play Candyland, they all want to (laughs) win. So, and if they can't, then they say, I don't want to play anymore kind of concept. Uh, and to me, that is normal development. And I don't want people to say to a child, well, we can't always win. Yeah. That moves them out of the ecocentric thought process yeah. again. And I've decided it's because we live in a world <laughs> that everybody wants harmony. And I do too. And sure. who, you know, who doesn't? 
Um, so let's start it early again. <laughs> right. But, but it's another, it's another example then of the disconnect between yes. what we know about children and then what we expect them to do. So if we really wanted, you know, people, children who could grow up and live at peace with each other and, and, and change the world in the way that we talk about it, then we need to dig deep and understand that letting them experience this developmental uh, phenomenon of being egocentric um, and helping them navigate that is a really important part of getting that adult we want and not trying to push them into something they're not quite developed for yet. Yeah, and I think if we look at children who are egocentric as being a positive mm -hmm. behavior, a positive action, yeah. The more egocentric I am, uh, the better I am as a child in terms of development, uh -huh. rather than the opposite view. Um, I think that what we see then is we see a normal evolution that occurs um, and children become uh, willing to receive what other people's needs are. Um, but the opposite occurs. I keep yeah. thinking about Susskind's sibling rivalry kind of stuff, where he talks about, again, that um, the more we allow children to fight and try to figure out, why are you around me? <laughs> why are you living in this right. home? Which right. is very egocentric thought again. They become better at understanding their siblings later on through yeah. that process. You know, I'm thinking no child probably asked to be around six or 18 other children. Yeah. Um, and yet we're putting all these egocentric children <laughs> into a setting uh -huh. which is completely conflicting. Yeah. But at the same time, if we recognize that they're all, in most cases, egocentric, then I think the struggle becomes less in uh -huh. terms of our own process as adults with children. Yeah. It's just, it's a hard word for some people to get past yeah. um, because it does have the negative, a negative connotation. When we talk about people being egocentric, it's usually not a compliment right. um, when we're talking about other adults who might be that way. So it's really hard to, um, I think it takes a lot of intention, I guess maybe is what I'll say yeah. to shift your own thinking to thinking about this from this, from a child's developmental perspective. Yes. Yeah. Um, and, and it's as a, as a needs meeting opportunity. Sure. Sure. And I keep thinking as adults, there's lots of things that I'm not willing to share, <laughs> um, or I'm not willing to give up. And in yeah. some cases I'm thinking probably even my thought process, why would they think that way? <laughs> I said to myself, why would you even ask that question? Yeah. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's part of the whole ecocentric thought process mm -hmm. of thinking that my thought is better than theirs. Yeah. When the reality was just trying, you know, I just step back, take a look at, it's just another point of view uh, in terms of that perspective. And I think children do the same thing in terms of the process as they grow they begin looking at, oh, they play this game differently than me, mm -hmm. which is that whole understanding that other people exist. By the way, I don't think egocentrism is something you can't teach a child to be less egocentric. Right. <laughs> and I think that's the other model that we have to be careful of, because people actually develop experiences that they expect kids become less egocentric. Oh, definitely. And I think that's sort of what I was thinking when I talked about 
the people who think that their job is to understand what the typical behaviors of an age group are and then teach them not to be that rather than to figure out how you fit in it and what they might need as they work through that. Um, uh, You know, I think about the same thing as um, toddlers putting things in their mouth all the time. Yes. You, you understand that. And so you make sure it's safe for them to do that. You're not there to teach them not to do it because that's a developmental biological drive for them. Um, so you make sure that you're cleaning things and that things are not going to kill them if they put them in their mouth. And the same concept with preschoolers. If you know they have difficulty sharing because they have egocentric thought, you got to have multiples. Right. It's part of the development of practices. Yeah. It's what we know and observe about children, not trying to uh, change it um, mm-hmm. to do people do lists and, and uh, <laughs> uh, timers and you know, yeah. that kind of crap. Uh, which really doesn't fit well it's 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 like um well like so many things in early childhood it's easily measurable if you can convince a child to share or to give up things when someone else wants it then you then others can see that you've done that others can see that you've been a successful teacher or a good parent or that that's a good child um but but we don't see all the internal workings and um, the negative impact that might actually be having. So we, we look for that easily observable, measurable sign of success yes. rather than understanding the development that's going on. That's true. That's true. And I think if we, I keep thinking if we look at early childhood professionals and look at how to help children become ecocentric and supportive, <laughs> How to help Rather them become. How to, I think that would be probably a successful adult working yeah. with children yeah. rather than the opposite. And I think that occurs. Yeah. I, there's no, no problem with people expecting children to be good. The problem is what right. do we classify as good behavior? Mm-hmm. Right, um, right. And We're not we, suggesting that we should raise a generation of children who can't take others perspectives and should never be expected to we're just saying understand the developmental value and meaning of this recognizing that one step occurs before the other yeah Uh, and some people take longer than others (laughs) and you know and i i believe that's all right right in terms of the and and because it's all a lot of it is experiential there is some maturation that factors in but a lot of it is experiential. So if they're having a lot of experiences that are working against that developmental task for themselves, right. then they they fight it a little bit more instead of giving them experience after experience to achieve a little mastery and then move on to the next thing. Yes, true, true. And I think part of it is is our definition of what is expected of children to attain, uh, again, that sense of harmony. Mm -hmm. Um, And who wouldn't like a classroom? I guess I wouldn't. (laughs) Who wouldn't like a classroom of children who get along and, and, you know, just make everything perfectly harmonized? Mm -hmm. Um, But that's not, I've decided that's not the classroom. You've decided that's not your analogy. Okay. (laughs) But there are people that want that. Yeah. and. That, again, that would be in opposition to uh, what ch- children are capable of giving at this point. 
Mm-hmm. And if they are, I'm worried about that child yeah. um, at that process. So I worry about a child who gives up things. Yeah. So so Pretty talk hard. about that a little bit, Dan, because I've said things like that and gotten some pushback um, when I say things, you know, I worry about the super compliant child or I worry about the child who just gives everything up as soon as there's a challenge. So talk about why, why that's a worry for you, please. Well, I think because I don't want children to believe that they have to live in a world where they have to please. And I think part of that process of giving up um, is recognizing that I'm not important. Others are important. Mm -hmm. And so I worry about children who, for example, say, I love you all the time. And I've gotten a lot of flack over that. I'm thinking, wait a minute, you're not capable of loving me (laughs) as a preschool child. How dare you suggest that (laughs) three-year-old? And oh, parents go nuts. (laughs) What do you mean? But I think part of it is sometimes pleasing uh, Mm -hmm. other children uh, is more important for some children than others. And that to me is not typical development. Right. Not that there's something that a child has to be taken into a psychologist for, but it's not typical in yeah. terms of the development. So taking would be more typical than giving up. Mm-hmm. And I think part of that is helping parents see that too, because every parent wants a child that's a good child again. Right. And I, I think so many of the people who do that, well, you need to share, are doing it with the best of intentions, right? Absolutely. They think that this is how... Um, how we teach a child to be social and how we teach a child to be a good citizen and a good friend and a a good neighbor and all those things that we want to have um, around us when we're, when we're old. (laughs) Um, But it, it, I I almost think, think it can sort of take that pressure off of so many people to do it, to let go of that feeling that I have to, I have to have these kids share um, it's sort of freeing for the adult when you realize right. that developmentally it's okay. <laughs> to me, when a child gives up frequently, it's a red flag. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, again, not suggesting that it's something serious, but the child must be around somebody who helps them believe that you have to give up to be liked. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, Maybe when they're 40, <laughs> that's a process. Yeah. Um, but with young children, I think it's important to recognize that taking and not asking and, and believing the world surrounds me is, mm-hmm. is just normal yeah. in terms of that uh, process. And so I look for normalcy. Uh, <laughs> and I think that that's, to me, is more readily uh, available and in, in conscious um, than the other. Yeah. I have seen, um, IEPs for mm-hmm. children that, that have both an, both a goal of, um, the child learning to advocate for themselves and a goal for the child learning to share, yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but not understanding that, you know, the, the resisting, the sharing is part of the advocating for self that they wanted in that first goal. <laughs> Uh, yes yeah and again the 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 belief and the understanding doesn't fit the practice Mm -hmm. Uh, and and somehow that got screwed up and and people believe that children need to move towards something faster than they are capable Mm -hmm. of of moving yeah Um, 
just relax. It might happen. <laughs> yeah. And if it doesn't, you know what? It's okay. <laughs> it's okay not to share. It's okay to believe the world surrounds uh, <laughs> you. It's not reality, but it's right. <laughs> But you go ahead and do it. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> right. <clears throat> Insert ex-husband joke here. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, okay. What do you have? What else, Dan? Last thoughts or something you wanted to get in that we haven't talked about yet? I think part of the recognition that children's ideas are formed based on their own experience, their own understanding, um, and not someone else's, mm. um, is, is important for us uh, to realize. Um, and just to simply relax about it and accept it and help parents realize um, this is normal. This is a good thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think his parents frequently see that as a bad thing. Right. Um, and recognize oh, my child is stingy. <laughs> or my child is a thief <laughs> as they take things. And I'm thinking we need to help them see that, whoa, this is a good behavior. Yeah. I saw lots of it today. This is exciting. Yeah, yeah. they can uh, add it to that list of good ats from your, from your chart and get over it. Like they're really yeah. good at, at egocentrism. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I keep thinking, you know, that's probably the first thing we need to send home uh, is our day is that, uh, wow, these are the kinds of things we're going to see. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm excited to see them. <laughs> yeah, awesome. Yeah. Um, so uh, what was I just going to say? Oh, I want to make sure that they, that people, I mean, I know you've been on the show a million times, but um, uh, <laughs> I just used some of your stuff from Get Over It in the class I'm teaching. And I had such uh, an overwhelming, and I think I sent you a couple of screenshots, um, just it, it made such an impact on the students. So I want you to share your website or how they can get your book or how they can find more, find more about you or from you? Oh, Heather, you're asking me questions and I'm not sure I okay. even know how to answer. Well, we'll just tell them to Google Daniel Hodgins. <laughs> and, I know that if uh, they go to www.danieljhodgins.com, there you go. They'll have the access to it. Yeah. Beyond that, I have no idea. Well, that's good <laughs> enough because the books are eBooks, right? So they get them from, yes. Your, yes. from your website. All right. Yeah. Awesome. I just want to make sure everybody can get there. Um, Thank you their uh brains near your brain <laughs> and uh, and learn from you all right well thanks dan as always this was really fun thanks heather uh, appreciate you coming on and talking with me thanks everybody for listening and we'll see you on another episode and that's the show now go get your nerd on has been an Explorations Early Learning Upstairs Studio production. Oh.